Chapter 1 Compromise in the Nation's Early History The founders of this nation, men of the Enlightenment, understood the importance of compromise in achieving important goals. Because they put together a bundle of compromises that resolved their many problems, they succeeded in writing the Constitution of the United States, which created a republic that has survived for more than two hundred years. Their compromises produced a union of thirteen separate, sovereign, independent states. They compromised on the structure of the legislature and the extent of its duties, on the method by which members of Congress would be elected, and on the powers delegated to each branch of government. They compromised over the demands of large and small states, and they compromised on the existence of slavery and the role it would play in the distribution of representatives in the lower house of Congress. Indeed, the Constitution is one long collection of compromises. When the founders finished their work and submitted it to the people of the several states for their ratification, they hoped that their own and succeeding generations would also understand the value and importance of compromise, and how essential it was in resolving conflict and ensuring peace. And yet, just thirty years later, the Union almost came apart. The origins of the crisis of 1850 lay in decisions made nearly half a century earlier. To start, President Thomas Jefferson, in 1803, purchased the Louisiana Territory from France, an immense area that doubled the size of the country, that triggered a titanic battle in Congress in 1819 when Missouri, carved from this territory, applied for admission into the Union as a slave state. Missouri was the first territory to be located completely west of the Mississippi River. Unfortunately, if granted, this request for admission would upset the balance between the number of free and slave states in the Union, tilting the number in favor of the slave states. Northerners reacted angrily. To rectify this problem, Representative James Talmadge, Jr. of New York proposed amending the Enabling Act that would admit Missouri as a state so that, in time, Missouri would become a free state. His amendment prohibited the further introduction of slaves into the territory and would free those slave children born in Missouri upon reaching the age of twenty-five. Southerners exploded with indignation. This obvious ploy on the part of Northerners to restrict the expansion of slavery was not only dastardly, they cried, but a violation of the Constitution. Northerners were not content with the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, forbidding slavery north of the Ohio River, Southerners ranted. Now they argued for the right of Congress to legislate on slavery in the territories, and the right to abolish slavery for the entire territory of the Louisiana Purchase. On the floor of Congress, Representative Thomas W. Cobb of Georgia shook his fist at Talmadge. If you persist, he screamed, the Union will be dissolved. You have kindled a fire which all the waters of the ocean cannot put out, which seas of blood can only extinguish. Let it come, shouted Talmadge in response. The Speaker of the House, Henry Clay of Kentucky, condemned the Talmadge Amendment. A slave owner himself, he nevertheless regarded slavery as an evil that betrayed American values of liberty and free government. He had worked diligently, but without success, to convince Kentuckians to change their state constitution and provide for gradual emancipation. He was a leader of the American Colonization Society, 
which sought to win freedom for slaves and then colonize them in Africa. Chosen president of the society in 1836, he remained in that office until the end of his life. And yet, despite his views about slavery, Clay opposed the Talmadge Amendment because he believed that it violated the Constitution, which protected the property of all citizens. The amendment would deprive Missourians of their slave property, and therefore contradicted the fundamental law of the country. Clay's role in finding a solution to the Missouri crisis demonstrates how well he understood the importance and the meaning of compromise. As he said many times, compromise involves victory for both sides of a dispute. There can be no losers or winners. Each side must feel that it has gained something that is essential to its interest as a result of the compromise. To achieve that goal, each side must surrender something important to the opposing side.